Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of M365 Voice. I'm Antonio Mayo. I'm Sarah Hasi. And I am Mike Madrani. And today we've got another special guest with us. We've got Chris McDulty from Microsoft. Uh, hi, Chris. How are you? Hi. Great to be here. I, do I still count as a special guest? It's great to be back with you, I should say. Yeah, so, I know. He's a frequent special guest. Yes, we just a guest. We always consider you special. So, yes, yes, you're still a special guest. Okay. Thank you. It's great to have you back here again. So uh, we've heard a lot from uh, you and the team at Microsoft on Microsoft Syntax in recent months. So want to have you back again and talk a little bit about that product that we're all really excited about and see what you can share with us around what's coming up. Absolutely. You know, for the audience who may not be familiar with it, Microsoft Syntax is our family of apps and services that are really designed to take automation and AI from the Microsoft Cloud and help you use it without writing code inside the content you already have and the apps you're already using across Microsoft 365. That was an amazing synopsis, and I love it. It's a family of products. Talk a little bit about that, because we used to call it, you know, AI and, and models and machine learning and all of these things. And now this is the first time I think I've heard you call it a family of products. Yeah, when you think of kind of about how from uh, the older product, um, SharePoint Syntax, we're evolving into a set of interrelated capabilities. So some of them are, how do we use AI to automatically read, classify, and extract metadata? How do we use automation to build new documents? How do we add rich experiences like annotation and ink? Those are some of the things, but as we get further into areas like e-signature and AI-driven summaries and um, translation, some of the places we're investing in PowerPlot integration, where we're looking at things also like archive and backup and advanced compliance management. Um, all of these things come together to be able to let individuals and people do more with single pieces of content and then at scale with their overall processes. So that's why we really think of it as a family. I think you're kind of heading in that direction anyway, because when we had, um, uh, you know, when we, we've used it in, let's say, over the last year or so, we've had we've had features around document understanding, um, form processing. We've had content type features and taxonomy features. We've had kind of a, a myriad of features that do, I, I, like I like the terminology, they, they fit together as a family that help you to efficiently work within an ECM system and kind of take ECMs to a next level. Yeah, I mean, where Syntax is and where it's headed is ultimately, first, um, Syntax, unlike a lot of the rest of Microsoft 365, is what we say pay-as-you-go or consumption-based. So these services are available as we're bringing them to GA to every M365 user. Once IT activates it, there's a kind of small per-use charge, so many cents per page that you run through a document understanding model so much for OCR, so much for image tagging, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so we think that this actually puts a lot of the pressure back on Microsoft. Um, we're not asking customers to pay for services, whether they use them or not, which leads to the kind of health club model where a lot of people sign up for a subscription to something they may never use. Mm -hmm. um, you pay for what you use and you don't pay for what you don't use. So that's kind of puts the pressure on Microsoft, frankly, for us to be building capabilities that are going to be useful to people. Yeah. And so really, there's about 32 of those services across the board. 
So. I'm excited to ask about one um, content assembly for, for those of us who have been in a content management space for a long time. It has always been a dream to be able to take content in small components and to be able to assemble it elegantly into different forms and functions. Can you talk a little bit about content assembly for Microsoft Syntax and what that looks like now? And, and if you can, where at a high level you think it's going? Sure. I mean, if you think back to what people did even before there was a cloud, the notion of being able to run a mail merge inside Word and bring that forward to kind of the cloud era. So it's based on the idea of using a standard document that you mark up to be a, an intelligent template. And when you mark up sections of the document as what we call placeholders, those are field values that you can, when you use the template, you can fill in automatically, you can source them from a structured data source. You can build them in with Power Platform to automate filling those things out. And we've added support for more complex scenarios. So you could introduce things like tables and branching and conditionality, such as, you know, there's, you know, I'll, sh I'll show my bias, Antonio, for being here in the US, that if you're routing something and you need to show an address, um, and if the person is, in the US, you want to show a zip code. In other parts of the world, you don't. And being able to, um, you know, if someone is hasn't ordered fries with that, you don't need to ask them, you know, put a set of instructions about how many fries does someone need. Uh, I'm picking some rather trivial and consumer examples, but the idea of branching and conditionality and being able to um, also include images, that's something that's in the near term for being able to dynamically attach something like a logo. <laughs> Um, I'd say the vision over the you know coming quarters is also to bring more AI sourced information into that. So we're definitely looking at like you know how can something like Viva Topics, which could provide some capsulized summaries about what a given topic might be, how can we bring more of those softer data sources in to move beyond some of those hard templates to be able to bring signals in from the graph to be able to construct things that otherwise someone would need to type from scratch. So Chris, you talked a little bit about the pay-as-you-go model a minute ago, and that certainly, you know, many of us know that that's a switch from the per-user licensing before. And I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about what drove that. Like, like don't get me wrong, I love the pay-as-you-go model. I think that's the right model for syntax, but can you kind of drove, talk about what drove that change? Um, sure. Looking kind of at the first, you know, first couple quarters while we were incubating what was SharePoint syntax, you know, there we saw a lot of signals from organizations who, you know, on one level would say, we have a hardcore group of people who need these capabilities daily, weekly, monthly. They do it all the time. They they're invoke they're building new docs. They're taking in outside docs dozens of times a day. And syntax licensing for those users made sense. But for every one of those users, there'd be 20 other people in the company who might need to do one thing a month that was a syntax service or one thing a quarter. And it's really challenging for people who are managing those budgets to go say, yeah, I'm going to go get 20,000 licenses for everyone in the company, whether they need mm -hmm. it or not. And so for most of the customers we've spoken to, um, this kind of provides better coverage 
than where we have been. Uh, I acknowledge there are, you know, uh, there are a handful of customers where the consumption model may be more disruptive than we thought. Um, and we yes, definitely want to hear from those and learn from those examples. But the signals that we've gotten from our pilot and preview customers have been positive. Mm-hmm. And and for those that don't know the pay-as-you-go model a little bit, can you just spend maybe 30 seconds talking about how it works? So what is what drives the consumption? Is it the number of pages processed? Is it the number of um, uh, models that are executed? What What kind of drives that? Well, it really right now is based on what service you're talking about. So for kind of classic syntax, document processing models, those are metered by the number of pages you're putting through it. And in fact, there are, um, or soon will be, five different processing engines. There's unstructured document processing, freeform document processing, structured document processing, pre-built models, and taxonomy tagging. And each of those has different powers and different complexities and different scenarios. And um, some of those are, frankly, much less expensive services than others, both for Mm -hmm. us to run and for customers to get. So for something like the taxonomy tagging capabilities that let you just say, for these documents, I want you to do some full text analytics against this piece of my taxonomy. Just go add the right terms onto this document based on what you see there. And those pre-built models, they're very simple to stand up and execute, mm-hmm. and they also run at lower cost. Mm-hmm. But I for really... some other things, like you know, for things like e-signature or for object recognition, you know, those are going to be more on a per-file basis. Content mm-hmm. assembly will be on a per-file basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some places, frankly, we are still doing the research on, like, what's the best unit of consumption for something like summarization. Um, and you know, fortunately, Microsoft has a great community of customers and MVPs who are happy to tell us what their thoughts are. And you know, feel free to, if you're listening to this podcast, feel free to be one of them. I really like the direction that it's going. And it's really almost, and I don't know if this is a word that you would use, but we were talking about it before we started recording, that it's almost the consumerization of the services and the family of products that Syntex offers. Because when SharePoint Syntex, the original product came out, right, it was that per user per month model to go in and build a mo- to go in and build something like um, an unstructured document processing model. But now, just as a SharePoint user, I can go to a document library and I have that classify and extract button, right? And I can see what models are applied to the library. I can even go and create a new model. But right. then the price point starts when you deploy something like that, and then you start using it and consuming it to be able to do the functions of that model. Yeah, and you know, I think in that it's consistent with something we've learned on the Power Platform, uh, which is you know makers don't pay, but users do, right? It and frankly, to there's some there's some operating costs involved in the AI side of training a model, but. Um, Frankly, we want to encourage as many people as possible to set up these systems, these workflows, these templates, these models, um, so as many people can use them as possible. And so, yeah, we want to make sure that the ability to set these things up is as broadly distributed and available as possible. Um, and then hopefully it finds good usage. You know, And if it doesn't, we'll figure that out too. Mm-hmm. And I, and I love the way that you make it really easy for users to kind of use the Microsoft syntax. For example, we have the pre-built models for receipt and receipt uh, processing and invoice processing. 
Um, there, are there any plans to add more pre-built models uh, to help the consumers? Yeah, absolutely, and I, you know, it's something we've spoken about publicly before. Um, uh, the pre-built model for contracts is one of the next ones up. Uh, we are also are working on pre-built models for identity cards, for common tax forms like 1099s and other financial statements like that. Um, there's a, a backlog that we're working on jointly with the Azure team of about 30 document types that are out there. And we're trying to assess the level of demand for each one um, and then proceed accordingly. Um, yeah, I love those, by the way. And they're they're great demos. A demo I've done at some conferences is to just stand up a brand new receipt model. And it's sort of like a magic trick to be grab someone from the audience. Like, is there a receipt, you a receipt. that you're willing to share that we're going to scan here on stage? That way, like, it's a little bit like working without a net because you never quite know what how the AI is going to respond, but that tends to work. Um, I like or doing what that. that receipt is for, but it works that well because oh, I, I've stood I, I it up it, and actually taken receipts off my desk and it works. Yeah, I do make it clear to folks, I'm about to take your receipt, take a picture of it inside of OneDrive and put it up on the screen. So please make sure it's a family-friendly receipt. And again, there's no... We don't retain that data, so I destroy those after the uh, yeah after the session. But it's always good fun to play with that in front of an audience. So, Chris, can you talk a little bit about some of the exciting upcoming things we can expect to see in Syntax? We've seen a few announcements, and I know we've just got a couple of minutes left. But um, can you talk about a little bit of what what you're excited about that's that's upcoming that you can share? Yeah, over the next couple of weeks, um, you're going to see some of the um, pay-as-you-go previews move into GA. So unstructured document processing and pre-built models will be up first. Um, some of the other services that we've talked about, like OCR and image tagging, um, you can ex and content assembly meters, you can expect to see those later in the spring. Um, and also, as we get closer to mid-year, some of the capabilities that we spoke about at Ignite, like backup and archive, we should be able to provide some guidance on when those services will be ready in public preview. Um, many of those capabilities, in fact, we are already in very private previews on with some customer testing, but we wanna get those in people's hands so we can get some more scaled signals about how to make those products more useful for people. I'm personally really excited about the archiving functionality. It sounds really boring, but I've I've heard that request so often from customers that oh yeah, it's, I'm really excited to tell them about it that you can now do it in place right in in SharePoint Online. You know, it's so common. I mean, if you look at you know the billions of documents we take in a day into M365, um, it stands to reason a lot of our customers are looking at that relative to their quotas and saying. We've, we've gotten very intense with our content uses in the cloud during the past three years. Everyone's been working remotely. Everything is in the cloud. How can we start managing that at scale and frankly managing costs without doing what some companies do, which is to manage costs. They just start deleting things. Well, or that's not really the best answer for information management. It's an answer. Um, so yeah, I'm encouraged by, you know, not just what we're doing kind of at that interesting frontier of AI and automation, but some of the more practical AI that we're using for governance, for being able to identify sites that are at risk of, you know, oversharing and being able to build workflows that ask data owners to review and attest to those permissions and 
you know, those kind of governance capabilities are ones that we've actually had built for a number of months and are um, hoping to release over the next couple of months. So just stay tuned on that one. That's incredibly exciting. And I, I love talking about attestations and certifications and permissions management. So yep. I'm excited to hear about that one. I have one more question. Um, I'm really excited about on the Microsoft roadmap about the new the contracts management uh, site template for SharePoint that yep. comes with a pre-built model. Can you talk a little bit about that? It's I think on the roadmap it's due to come out in February 2023. Um, yeah, I think it is. To be fair, that may slip a little into March. Like in looking at it, the core template, the updates that we've made to that accelerator are in place. The pre-built model isn't quite ready yet. And so I honestly love to get your thoughts. Like I don't want to confuse people by announcing one version of it in February and a slightly different version of it in March. Just feels like let's just tell everyone about it when all the pieces that we want in it are there. And so that's really coming in March. It's got some workflows. It's got the ability to pull data out so you can kind of manage a volume of contracts for things like expiration date and dollar value and have all that data pulled out, as well as some sample contract templates that you can use to build net new contracts, to really to use as a pattern for how you want to standardize your own contract development. Um, again, we don't think that this is this is not a full-fledged solution to replace an iSertis or an iManage or any of those solutions, but you know sometimes you're not a law firm, but you're dealing with vendors or you have a dozen contracts a year and you need to just make sure you're tracking them in some sort of standard fashion. And this is a great place to start. I love Chris. it not to mention, and it's a great opportunity to be able to have people see how a pre-built uh, content assembly model like that works, um, yes. how you can assign workflows to it uh, and how you can leverage it to achieve better business outcomes. So I'm excited to see that one. Yeah, yep. I like that it's a good place to start and you can build on top of it. There's lots you could add to that, right? Um, and customers can build on it. Partners can build on it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that's, you know, really, I think, is a winning formula for most organizations. Yeah. So I'm mindful of time. Thank you for having me on. It's great to be able to speak to your audience and at least see your smiling faces here through Teams. Looking forward to seeing... You know, you all at a summit or conference coming up in a city um, near us, far from us. It feels like Absolutely. we're getting back to those patterns again. So, exactly. Great to have Good you to on the you. podcast, Chris. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, we'll look to hopefully have you again sometime soon, sooner than the last time that we sure had. Thing. Always great to talk to you. Always great.